Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu/podcast This is the John Fugelsang podcast. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. We got some of our favorites joining this program tonight. Professor Corey Brechtschneider will be here. Supreme Court did something rather remarkable today we have to talk about. Dr. Jason Nichols will be here. This presidential race is still going on, and all these Republicans are popping in. Thea Harper is going to join us in hour number three with the Minority Report. And uh, wow, Thea is running this thing out of Brooklyn. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer running this thing out of South Carolina. I know it was a slow news day, kids. (laughs) Let's get to it. I, 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 I hope you've had a good day. If you live on the East Coast, I hope you've been able to breathe today. I hope you're doing well. We're going to talk a bit about the weather tonight and how things are panning out. And obviously, there's some very big news. Let's get to it. Let's do a show. We don't know the specific charges yet. Well, we're starting to learn. It seems like making false statements and conspiracy to obstruct justice have been unofficially announced. But folks, he's indicted. And it feels so good. Uh, Former host of Celebrity Apprentice, Donald Trump, has been indicted for the second time this year, this time on federal charges in relation to his handling of certain classified information while he was out of office. Multiple sources have confirmed to multiple news organizations Donald Trump has been indicted on at least seven federal charges by a grand jury. In Florida, the DOJ took this incredibly historic step of lodging federal criminal charges against a former president after a long investigation of his handling of these classified documents that we know he stole, that we know he lied about, that he took with when he left office and then obstructed the government's efforts to reclaim them. A year from now, my friends, you're going to know this timeline more than you want to. It was filed in the federal district court in Miami, this indictment was. It's the first time, again, in American history, a former president has ever faced federal charges like and he was already indicted on state charges last month i mean ulysses grant was pulled over while president for speeding in his horse and carriage that's that's as close as we get it's an extraordinary moment and it's a really unique position for our nation to be in given the fact that donald trump is um the front runner for the 2024 republican presidential nomination and now it appears that there is a white house whose administration is seeking to convict a potential rival in case you're wondering what Fox is going to be saying about this for the next year. Now, uh, here we go. It's begun, guys. We have predicted this for years. On this show, I have said for years that he's never going to prison 
that he's already in a prison, that the rest of Donald Trump's sweaty life is going to be desperately raising money to shovel it into a furnace of defense attorney billable hours. Guys, that's the rest of his life. That's his sentence. He will be doing it. After Alvin Bragg's trial in New York, which begins after Super Tuesday, after Jack Smith's trial, if it ever goes to trial, there will be other charges. There will be other indictments. There will be other indictments probably this summer before Labor Day. But take a moment and take it in. It's the first time a former American president has faced federal criminal charges. He has been told to appear in a Miami federal court on Tuesday, June 13th. I'm flying to L.A to be arraigned on multiple charges related to the classified documents investigation. There's also, you know, a lot of investigations into a lot of his dealings around the country at the state and federal level related to his business career, related to his political career. Don't forget, this guy just pled not guilty to 34 felony counts. Yes, I say pled. Maybe you say pleaded. I don't know what's right, but pleaded sounds so much like pleaded. And that makes me think of pants in the 80s. So I say pled. Now, uh, again, the 34 counts he pled not guilty to was a hush money scheme to cover up the sex scandal with Stormy Daniels back in 2016. We know that the prosecutor in Georgia, Fonnie Willis, is in the final stages of her investigation into his attempts to reverse the election results in that state, to put it politely. Now, well, now we got to wait for every Republican presidential candidate to be asked how they feel about this. And do you support the party's nominee, even if he or she has been convicted of several federal criminal offenses? How many words... Can Mike Pence say to avoid answering a question like that directly? Oh, and Chris just pointed out to me, Fox News, the banner headline. Yeah. Biden administration indicts presidential rival. <laughs> so we're going to have a lot more on this tonight. As more information comes in, we're going to talk with Professor Brett Schneider very shortly about this. But right now, let's talk about what I planned on talking about this evening. The Haitian Revolution. It was a very successful insurrection by slaves who liberated themselves against French colonial rule in what is now the sovereign state of Haiti. Back then it was St. Domingo. Now, the slave revolt, you may have heard about it. It began back in the summer of 1791, and it lasted quite a while, 13 years till 1804. 13 years it took for an enslaved people to drive away their colonizers. And in 1804, the former colony achieved its independence. And this involved black and biracial and French and British and Polish and Spanish participants. Toussaint Louverture, former slave, emerged as Haiti's most prominent general. The Haitian Revolution was the only slave uprising that led to the founding of a new country that was both banning slavery and ruled by non-whites and former slaves. It was a defining moment in the history of the Western Hemisphere, and it was the largest slave uprising since Spartacus tried to revolt against the Roman Republic almost 2,000 years earlier. This slave revolt challenged so many racist beliefs about black inferiority and about the inability of slaves to maintain their own freedom. It changed the way everyone viewed everything, unless you're a fake Christian televangelist with his own TV show. In 2010, a horrific earthquake hit Haiti. Maybe you remember it killed an estimated 160,000 people. I went to Haiti after that quake to do some shows for the U.S. troops on their humanitarian mission. It was a trip that changed my life. It was a trip that made me want to come back to America and never complain about anything here again. The day after the quake, TV evangelist, host of the 700 Club, Pat Robertson, went on his show 
And I want to play this clip right now where he told viewers, actually, the Haitians are to blame for the earthquake that just slaughtered 160,000 of them. Because back in that rebellion against slavery in the 1700s, they, yeah, they, the only way they could do it was to make a deal with the devil. Here is Pat Robertson explaining the Haiti earthquake. Christy, something happened a long time ago in Haiti, and uh, people might not want to talk about it. They were under the heel of the French, uh, you know, Napoleon III and whatever. And they got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. It's a true story. And so the devil said, okay, it's a deal. And uh, they kicked the French out. You know, the Haitians revolted and got themselves free. But ever since, they have been cursed by, by one thing after the other, desperately poor. That island of Hispanola is one island. Mm-hmm. It's cut down the middle. On the one side is Haiti. On the other side is the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic. Yeah. Dominican Republic is, is prosperous, mm-hmm. healthy, full of resorts, etc. Mm-hmm. Haiti is in desperate poverty. Same island. Sure. Uh, they need to have, and we need to pray for them, a great turning to God. And out of this tragedy, I'm optimistic something good may come. Okay, so you you heard what he did there, right? The clear message he was saying is that anyone of African descent couldn't possibly have fought for their own independence and gained it unless they were being helped by the devil. 160,000 Haitian souls were snuffed out by this quake, and the next day, this old man went out of his way on television to impose more suffering on these people who are grieving the loss of their families. And the Reverend Pat Robertson, one of the most influential voices of Christian nationalism, I won't call him a conservative Christian anymore, a man who helped organize the political strength of evangelicals, a man who helped so much get America into the mess it's in now, has died. He was 93 years old. He was the son of a conservative Democrat, because we used to have those, and we still do have those. We used to have liberal Republicans, too. Not so many. But his dad was a U.S. senator, and um, he was born in March in Lexington, Virginia, 1930. His father was A. Willis Robertson. Now, uh, Pat had a hard time finding his way in life, and he bounced around. He went to law school, but failed the bar, didn't know what to do. And then one day he realized maybe, just maybe, there was money to be made and a career to be made in this evangelizing. And he initially made his name as a broadcaster with the 700 Club. That was the flagship of his CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. And it worked. You know, I mean, he he had enrolled in New York Theological Seminary after he was ministering in a brownstone in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn. And then he went and bought this bankrupt TV station down in Portsmouth. The CBN was launched there in October 1961. Pat would later say he started out with $70. And um, the 700 Club began on that station in 1966 as a daily TV program. If you grew up in the South like me in the summer times, you probably watched it over and over and over and over again. Pat didn't always host it. Sometimes uh, his close friend, Reverend Jim Baker, would host for him, just to give you an idea of the caliber of humanity we're dealing with here. Now, um, Pat Robertson stood for Christians who can't stand what Jesus stood for. And he's been a liar. He's been a bigot. He's been a huckster who I don't actually think believed in anything beyond a will to make profit. He was the voice of Christian nationalism. Let's go through some highlights, shall we? He blamed 9-11 on gay people. He he did, because, you know, God is so angry with gay people 
He's going to murder thousands of American people. Um, he scolded his followers for gambling, but he owned racehorses himself. He denounced Disney World in the late 90s for being nice to gay people and said it would cause hurricanes. And then hurricane season began, and the first one turned away from Disney and hit Virginia Beach, where Pat was located. No hurricanes hit Disney in 1998. He said the feminist agenda is not about equal rights. It's about a socialist anti-family political movement that encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism and become lesbians. He said that in a fundraising letter in 1992. It actually sounds kind of awesome. It, it goes on in his book, The New World Order. Back in 1991, he said, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I hit a, when I said I would only bring Christians and Jews into the government, I hit a firestorm. What do you mean the media challenged me? You're not going to bring an atheist into the government? What about, are, are Christian values better to qualify to govern America than Hindus and Muslims? My simple answer is yes, they are. Pat wouldn't even throw the Judeo before saying Christian all the time. He called non-Christians termites in 1986. Termites. He said, well, great builders of our nation almost to a man have been Christians because Christians have the desire to build something. He is motivated by a love of man and God, and so he builds. The people who have come into our institutions today are primarily termites. They're into destroying institutions that have been built by Christians, whether it's universities, governments. Blah, blah, blah. The termites are in charge now, he said, and that is not the way it ought to be. And the time has finally arrived for a godly fumigation. He caused, he, he called Jews termites, Muslims termites. Uh, I could go on. He attacked Hinduism, called Hinduism demonic. In 2006, he started claiming that he had age-defying energy shakes for sale that could let him press 2,000 pounds on the leg press. 2,000 pounds for an old man in his 70s. He kept saying he could do it. And then, of course, eventually uh, he got in trouble and had to abandon the product. He, he once said people who have too much plastic surgery got the eyes like they're oriental and stretched his eyelids in a way eight-year-old boys would. So, and of course, he, he, he claimed on his TV show that gay men deliberately spread HIV using rings that cut your finger when you shake hands and then they give you their bad, somehow they squirt blood from their hand into yours once they cut it. I, he went on TV on a Christian broadcasting network and said these things. He bore false witness his entire career. And of course, telling lies about the LGBTQ community is acceptable. And then in 1988, he ran for president. And you know what? He did really well in the Republican primaries. He unexpectedly came in second in the Iowa caucuses behind Bob Dole and ahead of Vice President Bush, who eventually got the nomination. He had the third most votes in the GOP primaries. He got a big prime speaking spot at the convention. And here's a thought. They don't bring up too much. Ronald Reagan never actually endorsed his vice president until after Pat Robertson had dropped out. And then the 700 Club had their September 11th edition. And two days later, Jerry Falwell Sr., who I did get to debate on Bill Maher, maintained that God had lifted the curtain of divine protection around America and allowed our enemies to give us probably what we deserve. This is the very, very famous exchange you may have heard blaming pagans and abortionists and lesbians and the ACLU for what 16 Saudis and a few pals did on September 11th. Give a listen. What we saw on Tuesday, as it's terrible well. as it is, could be minuscule if in, fact, if, in fact, God continues to lift the curtain and allow the enemies of America to give us probably what we deserve. 
people. Jerry, that's my feeling. I think we've just seen the, the antechamber to terror. We haven't even begun to see what they can do to the major population. I mean, the ACLU, uh, the ACLU's got to take a lot of blame for this. Oh, yeah. And I know <laughs> I'll hear from them for this, oh. but uh, throwing God off successfully with the help of the federal court system, yes. throwing God out of the public square, out of the schools. Wow. Uh, the abortionists have got to bear some burden for this because uh, God will not be mocked. And when we destroy 40 million little innocent babies, we make God mad. I, I really believe that the pagans and the abortionists and the feminists and the gays and the lesbians who are actively trying to make that an alternative lifestyle, the ACLU, People for the American Way, all of them who tried to secularize America, I point the thing in their face and say, you helped this happen. There you go. Way before Benghazi, our right wing fundamentalist Christians were blaming the people they hate for terrorism, not blaming the terrorists. It's always been their fundamentalist Muslims, our fundamentalist Christians and the rest of us caught up in it. When Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon had a stroke, Pat Robertson came out and said it was God's punishment for him trying to make peace with Palestine. He openly called for the assassination of Hugo Chavez in 2005. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the evangelist calling for public state murder. More recently, he called critical race theory a monstrous evil. The day after the Wisconsin Sikh temple shooting, he claimed that was caused by atheists and people who hate God. No, it was people who hate Sikhs. And then after the 2017 Las Vegas masks shooting, he blamed that on people not respecting Donald Trump enough and on NFL players taking the knee. So you get the idea, right? Just just a, a, a vile person who had no Jesus in his heart, didn't seem to know a damn thing about what was in the New Testament and was just another grifter telling white people what they wanted to hear and giving them just enough fear of the afterlife and an 800 number to make himself very wealthy, which he did. I, I want to play this because Pat retired from the 700 Club in 2021, but he was exhumed from his crypt in 2022 to come back. And I want you to hear what this man of God did. He came back one special time, very old, had a hard time speaking, but it went so much to him as a Christian to come and praise Vladimir Putin's amoral slaughter of Ukrainian men, women, and children. Give a listen. I think you can say, well, Putin's out of his mind. Yes, maybe so. But at the same time, he's being compelled by God. He went into the Ukraine, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to move against Israel ultimately. And God is getting ready to do something amazing. And that will be fulfilled. And what Putin is doing by moving as he is to set up uh, Ukraine as, as a... Uh, staging ground for one of the armies and then across is is Erdogan at Turkey and and you've got between them that little Dardanelles area and it's going to happen so I just say that is what's coming up is Putin crazy is he mad well perhaps but God says I'm going to put hooks in your jaws and I'm going to draw you into this battle, whether you like it or not. And he's being compelled after the move into the Ukraine, he's being compelled to move again to get a land bridge and then across the Dardanelles with Turkey and watch what's going to happen next. 
You read your Bible because it's coming to pass. Here it is. There it is. What you just heard was him saying that Vladimir Putin was compelled by God to launch this bloody, indecent invasion of Ukraine so it could one day fulfill the end times prophecy in Israel. Again, everything about these guys was the end time. Jesus himself talked that shit down and said, you will not know the hour nor the day, but they don't care. All they care about is that we get to go behind God's velvet rope and anything shitty we do doesn't matter because it's all about the end times. And that's why they pretend to love Israel, because they believe the book of Revelation, which says half of the Jews will die horribly and the other half they'll they'll live once they forcibly convert to Christianity. Ignorant to the end. Wrong to the end, the opposite of Jesus to the end. Our friend, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis of Middle Church in New York, tweeted earlier today, few people did more than Pat Robertson to make Christianity synonymous with bigotry and hostility. And I still believe all people at death are ultimately welcomed into God's fierce love. I will not let hatred make me hate. And she's right. I, I can't I can't bring myself to do it either. Um, so I'll try to say Three nice things about Pat Robertson. Uh, he married my cousin. My cousin, my mom's cousin, Loxie, in Virginia. Uh, her marriage was performed in the 1950s by a young Pat Robertson. One time I was in Virginia Beach 10 years ago for Thanksgiving with my mom when my mom was sick before her hospice began. And they wanted me to do an appearance on MSNBC. And we, we couldn't find a TV studio. And I swear to you, this is true. CBN let us use a studio. Pat Robertson's company let me go. Let me leave my mom and go and go sit on his studio and actually do a hit with MSNBC about how to talk with your racist loved ones at the holidays. So I will always thank Pat for that. And I'll do one more. 13 years ago, Pat went on in 2010 to condemn the harsh sentences for people convicted of possession of cannabis, which blew me away. I couldn't believe it. Joe Biden went on as vice president on Good Morning America and condemned Pat Robertson. He said, I still believe it's a gateway drug. I've spent a lot of my life as chairman of the Judiciary Committee dealing with this, and I think it would be a mistake to legalize. Now, of course, Joe Biden today is the president who has decriminalized weed at the federal level. He's come a long way, and maybe Pat helped him a little bit. But let's just take a moment to remember December of 2010, that brief shining moment when Pat Robertson was more liberal than Joe Biden. So there we go. What a week we're having already. Chuck Todd is gone. Chris Licht is gone. John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh may have just helped save the Voting Rights Act. And Pat Robertson has gone off to, well, somewhere. I'm not going to make any jokes about Pat going to hell. I think, you know, anyone who supports Donald Trump that bad and then goes before St. Peter is going to learn what extreme vetting really looks like. I will say that the fact that he died during Pride Month, fuck you, atheists. That's all I have to say. Fuck, I, atheists, I love you, but fuck you. Pat Robertson died during Pride Month. That's proof of a God. And I will say one last thing. Science never made me doubt the existence of God. But many, many days in my life, Pat Robertson certainly did. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. 
Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. And we are back. By the way, this haze that is still blanketing Canada and the much of the U.S., it, it, it could last for days. I mean, it was a lot better in New York today. How is it where you are? Many weather systems are not expected to move much. And this ugly, low-hanging, smoky blanket billowing from the Canadian wildfires uh, will continue to send these plumes of fine particulate matter as far away as the Carolinas. And this could last into the weekend. I mean, yesterday morning, it was fine. By yesterday afternoon, you saw it. It was Blade Runner 2049. National Weather Service meteorologist said conditions are likely to remain unhealthy at least until the wind direction changes or the fires get put out. Whew, please, please stay safe. They are closing so many activities. Games couldn't be played. Actors had to leave Broadway stages. Flights have been canceled. Uh, the Washington, D.C. School District has said that all activities tomorrow will be kept indoors. And New York City School District has said that all high school kids have to go back to remote learning tomorrow. Whew. Hope you have your software all up to date. I'm John Fugel saying this is progress. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Dr. Jason Nichols joins us. He is an award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland in College Park. You may have seen him or read him in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, Fox News, NBC News. He's all over Newsmax as well. Dr. Nichols, it's always a pleasure to welcome you here on a Thursday. Happy Indictment Day, sir. <laughs> thank you thank you welcome i mean uh ha happy indictment day to you as well i know we were just doing this last month but hey it, you know it, it, it's the season so uh we'll probably say it a few more times before the year is out were you surprised yeah. at all that this came down today we we kind of knew last night it was definitely coming yeah i mean we we knew it was coming i didn't know it was going to come today so i uh i'm not going to say i mean anytime Trump gets indicted, even when you know it's coming, you're like, it's not going to happen. You know, I think we got our hopes up uh, a little too much with the whole Russia scandal. Um, I lost hope on that early. I kind of realized that that was kind of BS, to be honest with you. Well, what part of it was B what part of it was BS? Exactly. Because I, I lost hope on it when we found out that Mueller wasn't going to be following the money and looking into money laundering. That's when I knew, OK, well, no, not much there then. But what was it for you that that really uh, made it seem like it was BS? You know, what, what really made it BS to me? Like, I so first of all, when I say that, let me be clear. I knew that it, there wasn't anything that they were going to be able to really find. Right. And the reason I say that is because Bob Woodward, when I heard Bob Woodward say, I've looked into it, I can't find it. You know, I trust Bob Woodward. He's arguably the most decorated journalist of our time. Yeah. And if, if he couldn't find it, then I was like, yeah, the Justice Department's not going to find it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not. Yeah. Fair enough. You know, and... So when, when I saw that, I didn't think they were going to find anything. And again, Mueller said, he didn't say it didn't happen. 
He said, I couldn't find it or I don't, right. I, you know, I don't see right. it. Right. I mean, Mueller did deliver a gift wrapped 10 counts of obstruction of justice to the Democratic Congress that the Democrats just decided to not act on. I mean, you know, but but you're right. Like, we got our hopes up there. We got our hopes up with two impeachments. We've gotten our hopes up many, many times in the past, from Stormy Daniels to Michael Cohen. But, I mean, wouldn't you agree that it seems like we're in the age of very, very slight accountability now? I mean, it's... Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's possible. We're, we're going to have to see, can you find 12 Americans that will hold Trump accountable? And I'm not convinced that that exists anywhere in the country. I'll tell you this. I have... You know, I'm I'm a mainstay in conservative media. Indeed. And, you know, taking a week off, it's been glorious. But uh, I, I'm in a lot of I, I'm in the trenches with the conservatives fighting those battles. And I can you tell are. you that they, you know, they have a lot of influence and whatever it is that Trump has done to him or whatever it is that Trump has tapped into in America, it's everywhere, even in places that people consider to be these liberal bastions. And I really think that it's gonna be difficult, even in DC, even in New York, and certainly in Georgia, to find 12 people to sit on a jury and and (laughs) don't know, you know, everybody knows Donald Trump. It's not like, you know, even some guy on TV where you could be like, oh, I don't know. I don't watch TV. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows Donald Trump. Everybody has an opinion on Donald Trump. And when he got 75 million Americans to vote for him, which is just under half the country, 49% of the country, you know, uh, of the adults in the country, you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult like to find those, yeah. you know, find a place where you can get 12 people when he's such a cultural icon to the right. Like they view him differently. Like oh, he's listen, not. I, you're like, right. You're you right. Know, and, and that could be what saves the Republic. Do, doctor, that could be what saves the Republic, because I don't think Donald Trump's going to drop out of this race. I don't think he can. I don't think he can afford to end the fundraising he is doing. And so I think he, he's got to pay these lawyers somehow. He's literally this is the big scandal and why the RNC is so angry, because Donald Trump is not campaigning to raise funds for down ballot Republicans. All of his events are to raise money for his own pack. And he is paying lawyers for himself and those in his circle out of his own pack. So I think the grift kind of depends on it. And ironically, I, I, I think he's going to see more donations after this. I mean, the Fox, Fox oh, News sure. ran the banner headline tonight. Biden White House indicts 2024 rival. We already know the narrative they're going to use on this. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it's this is the whole weaponization thing. And the FBI is corrupt and defund the FBI and all of that. This is the the way they're going to go with it. And again, when we talk about anyone brings up Mueller, they don't think about those uh, 11 ca- possible counts. By the way, Mueller was scared and punted on that, you know, That's on right. the obstruction of justice. Um, he was like, you do it. I don't want to do it. Um, but, you know, what do they bring up? The Steele dossier and they bring up the FISA courts and, and right. all of that kind of stuff, which I will say the Steele dossier was probably bullcrap. You know what I mean? Probably a lot of that probably wasn't, you know, wasn't verified. Yeah, I mean, maybe we still don't know. We still haven't had that investigation. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, again, uh, I think if information, if you can't verify it, 
then I think it's then I from my perspective, anything that's not verifiable is bull crap. And I'll say that because yeah. guess what? They're doing the same thing to Joe Biden. That's what Comer is doing. You know, he's pulling out documents that aren't verifiable as a means of smearing Joe Biden and saying that he's corrupt and and that he was, you know, selling influence and all of that. The FBI has said over and over, we don't want to steal dossier, a type of deal here. We don't want to put out unverified information. Director Ray has said it and they said, we don't care. We want Mm -hmm. to see it. We want to damage him politically. And what has Comer said over and over again? This is about the polls. Grassley said it too. This is about damaging Joe Biden for 2024. And, you know, so I think we should have verifiable information. The Steele dossier was not verifiable. Most of the information in there. And they, you know, they probably should not have used it. You know, it did come from some random operative and it came from the Clinton campaign. It, it was it was bad. Well, or, originally, opinion. originally, it came from a Republican campaign, right? It was a Republican who paid for the Steele dossier to begin. And then when That's that true. Republican dropped out of the race, that opposition research was, somehow went over to the Democratic challenger. But it was a Republican right, right. who started it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still I will maintain that if you can't verify it, you know, it's not worthwhile because someone will come out and be like John Fugel saying molest cats and you know if you can't verify that then I don't think it should be it should be used but at any rate Donald Trump one thing we can verify is this documents case like that's yeah. clearly yeah, there's so much evidence. But again, can I also point out that I had the consent of all the cats involved, the complete full consent, <laughs> and they were all over 18. I just want to get that out there because people are going to be thinking about what you just said, sir. Continue. A- absolutely. And uh, I'm sure they were 18 in cat years and human years. So that, and in that's human years. Yes, I had Matt Gates as lawyer. But I mean, you're right. The, the whole House Oversight Committee admitted they, they admitted that they haven't found any criminal activity on behalf of Biden's family and that they found essentially nothing criminal on Hunter Biden's laptop. This has been Ghazi all over again. I mean, you point Grassley himself went on TV and said, we aren't interested in whether or not the accusations against Vice President Biden are accurate. And he had to call him Vice President Biden because that's how far back in the past they're going to try to find some dirt on this guy. Right. Absolutely. I mean, this is all an expedition to try and damage Biden in 2024 because they know the guy who is going to win the Republican nomination is a guy who is going to be indicted all over the country for crimes and they're easily provable and they're going to have recordings you know what I mean in a lot of these cases we already heard the the first recording in the Georgia case and allegedly there's another recording mm-hmm. with wow. another official it's not even Raffensperger yeah we know that there is a recording that jack smith has and we basically know what's in it you know this is donald trump's voice and he has one of the most recognizable voices in the world you know so (laughs) clearly i know we, we know that of course there are going to be people out there and like i said i work with these people they are going to defend donald trump in any way they can 
Some of them. In an empty some, way of them some, some of them will. Some of them will. But you know this is going to take a toll in the Republican primary process. Super Tuesday uh, happens, and 20 days later, Donald Trump has to be sitting in Alvin Bragg's courtroom in New York City. I mean, this will be a, a bit of a drag. But at the same time, I, I don't know anything. We all don't know anything. I do think that Donald Trump is going to have a lot of success in fundraising off of this. And it, it, it seems to be what we've been talking about for a couple of years, that the, this whole Republican caucus is punching itself in the face to get this old man, Joe Biden, reelected president. That's just what it all appears to be at this point. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see if, if this really damages him in a, in a Republican primary. I'm not positive. I think, again, they have built the narrative already amongst Republicans that the DOJ is weaponized against Republicans. Everyone is sure. against conservatives. Uh, big tech was against conservatives until Big Papa Elon bought the bought the Twitters. Mm-hmm. And they they really believe everything is against them. It's yeah. it, you know, and it really pains me, John. That's and I'll tell Donald you Trump's reelection campaign. It's all personal grievance. It's all revenge and retribution. It's nothing about policies to help the American people. It's all about how those all powerful transgender children and undocumented immigrants have hurt this country. And we're going to get some payback now. You know, you know, it, it upsets me so much because for so many years. Republicans had the narrative that black people played the victim role. I know. It was all black people are, you know, perpetual victims. They That's always think the of narrative. themselves as still the narrative. Absolutely. Still the narrative. Yeah, they're, I mean, how many Republicans, to... how many Republicans have you heard say the word plantation when putting down black voters for not endorsing their policies all the time? It's acceptable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only that, they want to Further this narrative by not allowing our kids to actually learn about actual victimization. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, they're trying to like cook the books here, literally. Yeah. Um, it's it's the so, white fragility, the white fragility laws of Florida, that if you teach anything about history that might make the child of a racist feel bad, we will let that person sue you. That's where it's at right now. Like the denial of racism is always the new racism. Absolutely. And so. You know, their their whole idea that they are victims. And I think one of the things that upsets me just about society, and this is a longer conversation that we won't get into, but, okay. you know, I think our <laughs> the idea that there is some sort of social capital and victimization annoys me, especially from people who are all about, you know, the Josh Hawley manhood thing. You know, know, I'm like, how are you, how are you saying, talking about manhood and you are living as a perpetual victim and saying, that's oh, the treat us wrong. Jason, the Christianity element of it. I mean, that's the thing about right wing fundamentalist Christianhood. It's always about being a victim. On his last worst day, Jesus never played the victim. But these people, yeah, it's I mean, they are white. They are heterosexual. They are Christian. They are the majority three times over. And it's all about how they have to take it from the man. That's it. And it's one of the things that turns so many young people off to organized religion because it's not about helping other people in love. It's all about my tribe is the only good one. And these others keep on screwing up a good thing for us. That is the entire wrap for politics and religion on the right right now. Yeah, it's really interesting. I I, I would pay, although I, I want to live. So good. You know, Lord, please don't take this <laughs> seriously. But I would pay to see what God 
the conversation that God is having with Pat Robertson right now. Like, what, what oh. they, <laughs> you know, what I, makes I, you I, think I, Pat? What makes you think Pat got off on that floor, sir? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, I don't know. I, I think God, regardless of what floor he gets off on, I can tell you this. I think God's going to want a word with Pat Robinson because oh, you know I think so too. When you uh, when you use God's name, it's one thing to do bad things; it's another to do them in God's name. Well, now you're talking my language because you know that's my thing. It's like the people who have turned when we see all these studies about how religion is declining and how uh, people are turning their back on it. It's not because people don't have spiritual lives. It's not because people don't aren't in love with the great mystery and think there's more to life than that. Just that which we can taste, touch, see and feel. People are tired of the hypocrisy of these men in dresses and funny hats. I know tons of wonderful clergy. So do you. But it's the fundamentalists. It's it's the ones who are always condemning others. It's the ones who are never quoting Jesus, but always quoting the meanest parts of the Bible that they can to justify cruelty. And generally, they're doing it to raise money or get more political power. It's never about helping the least of us. That is the racket. That is the rot in American Christianity, going back to colonial times, as, as you well know. And again, it's I guess the best sign of it is that, you know, it doesn't work as well as it used to. Pat Robertson was really good in the 20th century at convincing people to go for this right-wing, racist, anti-woman agenda. But young people aren't doing it anymore. And in 10 years, no one's going to remember Pat Robertson's name. It's not working. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's... it's, And I, I think it's sad in a way because, again, because I'm a student of 20th century activism, the, the church, because its values are around fairness and freedom and justice yes, yes, and equality yeah. of man. It was the church and young people coming together in the church that led the civil rights movement. Thank you. You know what I mean? So, and you know, today, today's movements aren't centered around that unless they're about taking rights away from somebody yeah. or hurting somebody or denying someone else's humanity. You know, it's it's really a sad thing. 18 and 19 year old kids were singing church hymns arm locking arms. That's where the center of the civil rights movement was. It's so not true. a coincidence that Dr. King and Abernathy and all of those guys were were preachers. And you know you what? Know? You're so right, because all throughout history, they've used the Bible to justify everything cruel you can imagine. Slavery, Jim Crow, apartheid in America, the subjugation of women, LGBT rights and dignity. But all through most of history, you also had people using the Bible to protect the rights of women, to protect immigrants, to protect minorities, to protect African-Americans and to fight against slavery, to fight against segregation, to fight against homophobia. Except now, as you well know, we've talked about it, there's it's just the haters get all the ink. And when you hear the word Christian now in American society, instantly your mind goes to someone who's intolerant of others. I mean, if I, I say a, a conservative Christian, do you think of someone who's out there fighting for the poor and the sick and welcoming the stranger? <laughs> Never. I think of Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's how bad That's it. it is. Yeah. You know, these are the people that invoke Christianity. And and honestly, I think there's so many things that the left misses out on. And I hope your Absolutely. audience really takes this to heart. We need to reclaim things like patriotism. Yes. We need to reclaim things like 
And, and I understand there are lots of things that are wrong with our country. There's no question about that. But like Dr. King, people don't realize Dr. King, if you read any biographies of Dr. King, he was incredibly patriotic because yeah. he believed in the in the founding principles. He just, as he said in his final speech, live up to what you said on paper. That was his thing. You know, he loved America, the idea of America. He just wanted yeah. us to actually do America is the person who writes out, oh, I'm going to diet and I'm going to exercise and I'm going to start on Monday. And, and, <laughs> and then Monday comes and then Tuesday comes and then and it just it never really takes shape. You know, you know we, so, we get around to doing the right thing eventually. But 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 yeah. And, hey, speaking about that, can I just say a lot of people across the South got a real surprise pick me up today from uh, Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh yeah. joining the sane wing uh, for uh, this five to four opinion ruling that Alabama Republicans violated black voters rights during redistricting after the 2020 census. It was 10 years ago this summer that John Roberts led the court to gutting the Voting Rights Act. And now in light of this, it's going to probably add a blue congressional seat in Alabama and could add more in states like Texas and South Carolina and, and Georgia. I, I did not have this on my bingo card for today, and I did not see John Roberts trying to salvage his reputation in this manner. Yeah, no, I, I didn't see it. And I definitely didn't see Brett Kavanaugh doing it. I think it's a, a good thing for democracy, particularly in a state like Alabama that has a history of denying uh, the democratic process to black people. Yeah, um, I think this was in, incredibly important, but we also can't lose sight of the fact that voter suppression is still very much alive, very much real. And so, yes, you may get uh, another, uh, you may get a black congressional district and, and the fact that Alabama deserves two um, yeah. is, is important. But that's one congressman out of 400 and some odd. Um, and yeah. Alabama is the type of state, there's no question in my mind that Alabama and Mississippi could be the next Georgia's. They, they could be, they honestly, could be. you know, no, battleground states. If you change if you change the voting district so there's representation and you get higher turnout. But we saw Ron DeSantis do this last year, doctor, where you had this one voting district in, in Florida that had a 40 percent African-American population and a black Democratic congressman. And DeSantis cut up the district into four other majority white districts. So all of those black votes got diluted. And that African-American Democratic congressman is out of a job because his district got taken away. This is exactly what's going on all the time. We scream about it, but it seems like two judges on the Supreme Court on the right side finally cared. I mean, 27 percent black population in Alabama, and yet only one of the state's seven districts has a majority of black residents. What could yeah, this no. mean for other states? I mean, what could this mean as precedent for other states? I mean, I, I think as long as the Supreme Court is on some level protecting the Voting Rights Act, which, by the way, Kavanaugh said we can still go back and, and look at Section 2. He sure did. Uh, you know, he, he was like, look, I'm not I'm not painting myself in a corner and being a big advocate for voting rights. I'm I'm still willing <laughs> to strip this thing down even more. So it was just this particular case, I think, that. They saw it this way. Um, I'm hoping that 
people fight more and more for the for the Voting Rights Act, that you get more and more local participation from people on the left around the country so that they can find ways to open up the franchise to as many people as possible. When more people vote, Democrats win. That's just the way it works. That's always when there's higher turnout, Democrats win. That's and the Republicans know it. And that's why they do the things they do. Hey, Jason, I got I got to shift over to Florida for a second because we we've been talking about AJ Owens, and of course uh, the woman who is uh, accused of fatally shooting her through a door because she did. Uh, Suis Louise Lawrence was arrested yesterday on charges of manslaughter with firearm, culpable negligence, battery, and two counts of assault. I I, I got to say it it really I I, I want to be cautiously optimistic and say that all of these folks who thought they could shoot an unarmed black person and claim stand your ground, maybe it's just beginning to get a little harder to get away with it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm there with you yet, John. I, I don't know if I'm there yeah. yet. I want to I want to be optimistic about it. I, I kind of feel like 10 years ago she might have gotten away with it. Now, maybe not. But what are your thoughts? I, I think if she had opened the door, she would have gotten away with it. It's the fact that she yeah. shot her through a door Yeah, uh, that was locked. Um, meaning that she was in absolutely no danger. No you can't danger. claim stand your ground and you're in no, absolutely no danger. She admitted that she said she was trying to break the door down, but she admitted she didn't even try the doorknob. She was just knocking on the door. Mm. She knocked on the door. This woman swung an umbrella at kids, allegedly, mm-hmm. swung an umbrella at kids. Uh, and she had been cruel to kids in the neighborhood, black kids in the neighborhood before. She has, she she has admitted to, to using uh, the N-word, uh, yelling at children. Yeah. Admitted to using the N-word, uh, yelled at them for playing in a common area that is literally for people in the in the neighborhood. Like, this is not her property. She lives in an apartment. <laughs> And so what, what, what you're saying is her, her show on Newsmax is going to premiere any day now, is what you're saying. <laughs> hey, perhaps. <laughs> um, but, but what I will say is she um, all of this is adding up and now she's being held accountable. But I think cases with even slightly more ambiguity, it took them four days to arrest her. Yeah. Four, four days. days. She but, shot know, yeah. a, a person in front of their children through a locked door. But Philando Castile, Jason, I mean, they shot him in front of his daughter and it was all on tape, but it was a white cop and there were no arrests made. I mean, I. I well, Geronimo Yanez was Latino, so it, it wasn't yeah. a white cop. It okay. doesn't matter. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Thank you very much. You're right. But I don't even think that matters. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't. Because, because again, this was like, you know, this was like when those black cops down south killed the black man. They thought they could get away with it because of the color of the victim. That's what's absolute. united all these cases. Absolutely. That's, that's the point. It's not the race of the perpetrator. Because yeah. white supremacy affects all of us. All yeah. of us. Let me tell you something. I, can, I grew up as a young black kid with a black family and we still had conversations about good hair and bad hair and all of the vestiges of white supremacy in an all black environment. So mm. please don't believe the myth that the mainstream media tells you that it's gotta be a white cop and a black suspect, or it's gotta be 
you know, a white teacher and a black student. Yeah. White supremacy is an ideology and a political system. And anyone can believe in ideology and a political system. This is why you have the Latino kid with the Nazi symbols off all over him. Yeah. You know uh, what I mean? People yeah, are like, how can it. he be Latino? How can he, his family come from, you know, Mexico? Because being and, a young he, guy in your 20s is the worst, and these racist communities will offer the illusion of dignity and community. Exactly. Exactly. And we need to do that. That's another thing. I, I, I know people don't agree with me, but I think we need to understand. Everyone talks about the extreme MAGA elements and, of course, the ones that are even more extreme, the white nationalism. I think we need to understand that. I think, honestly, Josh Hawley and his conversation about manhood is the wrong one. But a conversation about young young men is still important. I completely agree. Absolutely. Because we don't raise men. We raise boys, guys, homies, players, and dudes. Um, right. Jason, before I let you go, there's, my God, there's so much to get to. We're not going to have time for all of it. Uh, any thoughts on a person who's having a worse week than Donald Trump? And that would be Chris Licht. Uh, you know, it that Atlantic <laughs> article came out on Sunday. And by, what, Wednesday, it was all over. But what do you make of what's been going on at, at CNN? It was kind of predictable. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the problem at CNN, uh, I, I, I'm going to hate on CNN a little bit because they've never brought me on. They're the only network that's never brought me on. Oh, I'll talk to them. I'll, I'll straighten that out. <laughs> Go ahead. But CNN, I'll tell you what the problem with CNN is. Um, CNN made a billion dollars off of being the anti-Trump network. They yeah. were never a left-wing network, ever. Never. Nor is MSNBC ever. for that matter, but go on. Right. Neither is MSNBC, but CNN, I would say, has always been a centrist network that turned anti-Trump. Yes. And they made a lot of money off of being anti-Trump. But instead, they went and offended their resistance audience and yes. tried, you know, John Malone owns it. And I think he has a vision for what he wants it to be, and which he is does. like Fox News. He wants a bunch of Brett Bears um, yep. up there. And that doesn't sell to the audience that they had built under Zucker. So the transition should have been slower, number one, if Good you point. if you were gonna trans transition. But point. if you're if anything, they should have stayed where they were. They were they had an audience who who tuned in. To CNN, I agreed with some of the program changes. I never understood. As much as I like Don Lemon on uh, on New Year's Eve, I think he's great on New Year's Eve. I'm going to miss the guy on New Year's Eve. You know, drunk Don Lemon, I love. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but Don Lemon on primetime, I was not into that because Don Lemon doesn't really have a, a political worldview. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have politics. You know, it's not even that I'm saying he has the wrong politics. I don't think he has politics. Well, I mean, what do you, I mean, he's 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 liberal. He's you know, he's liberal enough. But I, I know what you're saying. I mean, he he'll he'll call out the lies of, uh, of of Trump and did it very. And again, full disclosure, I know, Don, I did a show many times, but he he you're right. He doesn't actually go and advocate for progressive causes. He's not out there talking about organized labor, talking about the climate. He's he's someone who's calling out the bullshit of the right. Yeah, I've never heard him talk about policy. And no, I do remember in 2003 when he was telling black people to pull up their pants and not wear hoodies. Uh, yeah. Know, in order to avoid getting killed. Yeah. You know, 
But you're um, right. They're called they're called liberal because they call out lies of the right. They call out you know if there's lies from the left, they would call that out too. But no one's going to call them right wing for it. They're called liberal because they call out lies on the right, not because they're actually fighting for single payer health care or doing something about the climate. Right, right. And to me, that says you don't really have a a worldview. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you. But either way, I, I liked it when they called out, out the right for their hypocrisy. I think that's important. And they built an audience that way. And they tried to transition and become closer to Fox News overnight with Chris Licht. And it failed. They wanted, I, I mean, even if they had done, like Chris Licht comes from Morning Joe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. If they did a Joe Scarborough kind of thing where Joe Scarborough is still a Republican, yeah. you know, oh, absolutely. Joe, Joe Scarborough is still a Republican. I, I watch the show. I, you know, I, I, I it's do, a I guilty it pleasure. I yell at Joe all the time because stop cutting Mika off. It pisses me off. But other than that, <laughs> like Joe Scarborough is a Republican, but he calls out Republican BS. That could have been a route for CNN. That's what a real conservative would do. That's what a real conservative. I've, I've said this for years. Real co- Fox News, if they were really conservative, they never would have supported Bush for re-election or Trump in the first place. I completely agree. Right. Exactly. So I, I think there there was a, a there was room for them where they could have broadened their audience, but not lost the resistance audience that they got. And they changed things. They fired people that were, you know, that had their own little audience. Maybe it wasn't, you know, Fox News numbers, but now they're in the tank. Newsmax has beaten them a couple times. I know. Can you believe you know? it? That's and, what they got. You know, All that that Trump town hall, and by Friday they were a fourth place network. By Friday night, absolutely. They they won the battle to lose the war. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They got three million views for that, but then they lost all of the people that trusted them and they have no credibility amongst anybody because the MAGA crowd is not going to start all of a sudden watching CNN. They're not going to do it. So they don't trust you. And now the people that you built trust up with now mistrust you. And you went into there, you put out an audience that was, and you told them they can't boo anything Trump says. So he steamrolls Caitlin Collins that's right. And the crowd is, you know, it's a MAGA freaking festival. Yeah. Uh, it's another Trump rally. And and they get to still claim victimization because it was on CNN. So trust me, places so I all have, around. Yeah. They're all claiming, oh, she didn't let him talk. She cut him off. I'm like, I don't know what you were watching, but. Boy. At any rate, it, it was just bad. It was bad decision making. We knew it wasn't going to work. News Nation has already claimed that kind of centrist area. They're trying, um, yeah. Jason, we are out of time, I'm afraid. We, are, we, have, we have hit our hard limit. What is the best way for our followers to follow you, sir, and keep up with all your work? Yeah, follow me on, on Facebook, Jason Nichols, PhD. Or you can find me on Twitter. I don't tweet a ton anymore, but... I'm yeah, still there. there. Get back on that, please. Please, let's let's fight for something. Let's fight for America and Twitter. Dr. Jason Nichols, I'm always blessed to have you join our show. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Open phones all the way till midnight. Mm-hmm. 
This is SiriusXM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's rather interesting. Tucker Carlson might be in trouble. Fox News reportedly has accused their former primetime star of breaching his contract after he launched his new conspiracy-filled show on Twitter just this week, which is exactly what we predicted because part of his contract said he's not allowed to do any kind of political broadcast. Maybe he thought Twitter didn't count that way, but... Boy, man, it's going to be very interesting watching this play out. And you know what else? It's time once again to bring back the great Thea Harper for another installment of The Minority Report. Omega, the woman who keeps this train from flying off the tracks consistently, Miss Thea Harper. Hey, John. Hey, Thea. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I'm really happy to have your uh, your segment back tonight. I've been looking forward to it. Um, I got to tell you, anytime we get any kind of good news, it's it's great. And, you know, we, we talk a bit about reparations and what reparations oh. would mm-hmm. look like. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, but but this story is something that's a bit different from that. Uh, this the story of what's happening with uh, the, the Bush Foundation, which I haven't heard of, but I know it doesn't have anything to do with the Bush family. Right. No, it doesn't. What is this so, all about um, in Minnesota? Yeah. So, um a Bush Foundation funded effort will issue $50 million to the descendants of slaves living in Minnesota and the Dakotas over eight years in the hopes of building black wealth, reversing systemic injustices and positively impacting uh, communities. Wow. Wow. Um, how many people who are descendants of, of enslaved people are we talking about and and how much uh, are these grants going to be? Yeah, so um, it's it's the first of its kind um, in Minnesota, one of the first large scale programs nationwide, and it grants up to fifty thousand dollars will be issued to eight hundred descendants of slavery by twenty thirty one. Up to and how much? Up to fifty thousand dollars will be okay. issued to eight hundred descendants of slavery by twenty thirty one. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And it and it's really about, you know, just trying to course correct and 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 to create black wealth. This is important because reparations would come from the government, uh, you know, as 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 restitution for for past sins. This is private funding that's doing all this. Yeah. And, you know, what I like is that they mentioned that this program is not a reparations effort. Um, because it's not extensive enough. So I'm right. glad that they brought that up. Um, but I'm also glad that they're um, taking steps um, to really help uh, build generational wealth. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting that it's so regional as well, mm-hmm. like that, that it's just doing it just in the Midwest. Right. This is for Minnesota and I think some of the Dakotas as well. Yes. Um, yeah, it's like I said, it's the first um, of its kind in the Midwest. Um, but we've heard of, you know, 
other places or even institutions like implementing some sort of programs like Georgetown University. Um, they're issuing scholarships to modern day descendants of over 200 slaves, um, over 200 slaves, the school souls in 1838. Um, and then like uh, California has created a task force calling for apologies and financial reparations to descendants of slavery. So, you know, different places are, you know, taking steps where they can. So it's That's a step amazing. in the right direction. No, it, it, it really is. And I'm, I'm curious about, you know, the, the goals of these grants. I read that Nexus said the goal is to, to break down the socioeconomic barriers that inhibit the black community's ability to attain and retain wealth. And that's fantastic. With these funds, what are they hoping for black people to be able to do? Um, I mean, pretty much, uh, like you said, to um, so they can have access to abundance of, of resources um, and really try to kind of create generational wealth and kind of um, have some sort of economic equality. Um, so it yeah. sounds like he, it just sounds like healing, you know, like, so people can, can it's, it's a piece of that pay for schools, start a business. I mean, there's just so much, I mean, there's, there's people that are going to be able to have kids because of this. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy that they are doing this program and I would like to see more done. Um, like I said, this is only a start. Now, I know this is done by uh, it, it's it's I want to get the name right. It's the uh, the Open Road Fund. Um, when do people get to start applying for these grants? So they'll be taking grant applications on June 19th, on Juneteenth. So, yeah. Nice. Very, very nice. Mm -hmm. Well, that, wow. I'm 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 so into all these positive stories we're, we're getting today. But you also uh, found this story I wanted to ask you about in the Detroit Free Press called a lifetime of racism makes alzheimer's more common in black americans uh this is something I i'm fascinated by we we've talked mm -hmm. a lot about how um diseases like this can impact you much more harshly if you are uh, lower or middle income but uh we don't really have a lot of data i don't think about you know the impacts on black Americans. And this follows a woman in Fredericksburg, Virginia, who is in her 70s and has Alzheimer's, right? Yeah. Um, and pretty much the article talks about how uh, black people are more likely to develop Alzheimer's uh, than white people in the United States. They're less likely and they're less likely to be correctly diagnosed and their families often struggle to get treatment from a medical system um, because it's filled with bias um, against them. Of course, of course. Now, that's kind of, I mean, 14% of black people over the age of 65 have Alzheimer's, and it's only like 10% of white people, right? That's correct. Um, uh, you know, they say that the disparity is likely even more because many black people are incorrectly diagnosed. Yeah. Right. And a lot of I mean, again, you know, there I know that in the black population, things like heart disease and diabetes are known risk factors. And again, right. it's all environmental racism. This is all yeah. about, you know, lack of healthy food options, lack of uh, healthy places to live, uh, depression, high blood pressure, living in a society with fundamental racism that you're trying to get over after 200 years. It's just hard. And it, it seems like chronic stress raises the likelihood of developing Alzheimer's. So this is, in many ways, a, a poverty 
condition? Very much so. Um, Like you said, the problem really starts early in life because of these conditions like heart disease and diabetes. Um, And so, which are very common in the black community. And on top of that, uh, polluted areas, um, also depression, high blood pressure, poverty, all these things can contribute. And also these conditions are considered risk factors um, that are considered risk factors. Uh, Black people don't get high quality treatment or don't receive any treatment when it comes to these conditions. Mm. And on top of that, they're less likely to get medication to to alleviate these symptoms of Alzheimer's and dementia related disorders. I mean, it, it seems like just another screaming example of why we need to have universal health care for all citizens, because the, the impression I got from the Detroit Free Press article about the African-American population and Alzheimer's is that they, they think it's going to get worse and that over the next yes. couple of decades, these numbers are going to increase even more. Yeah, it says, and by it says by 2060, cases are expected to increase fourfold among Black Americans. Fourfold? So we're talking 50 percent of, of of people over sixty five having. I mean, it, it's it's horrifying, and again, it's like it's right out there. We know it. We know it's preventable. We know that things could be done to make life easier for people. But this is this is racism, right? This is what racism looks like. It's not just institutionalized bigotry it's also institutionalized exclusion from from right. and like here. also you know anyone can have you know these conditions but pretty much what is happening is that racism is exacerbating these conditions in the yeah. black community i get it I get it. I mean, it's 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 so depressing and the story is very very sad. It's this this woman who's trying to take care of her mother who is struggling with dementia and I've been there and and I've I've I know what it's like and there's so few resources and it's like it's such a lonely lonely way to live and you'd think that if there was a part of our community a part of our population that was getting hit harder we would start to address it and say why why is this happening and how can we prevent it but I don't see those conversations beginning yet no no not yet but I mean articles like this um definitely bring attention to these things and hopefully um, we'll get more eyes and more people to really, um, you know, talk about it more and take a stand on these issues that are really, really hurting our communities. Thea, thank you so much. I love when you do these segments. You always find so many stories that either inspire me or infuriate me. And uh, I'm looking forward to a new installment of Theoretically Speaking. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. <laughs> when, um, when can our listeners expect to hear a new uh, a new installment of you taking over this mic? Uh, hopefully next week. But uh, I really wanted to talk about uh, Khalees and Bill Murray. Can we talk about Khalees and Bill Murray? Because I was just going to the air. We got Pat Robertson dying. We got the Supreme Court saving voting rights. And we got Trump being indicted in the middle of it. Khalees is dating Bill. Like I don't I don't know what to make of any of this. What, what what's your take blowing. on Mind so, blowing, right? Completely. So it's the last thing I expected. And I was I was telling Chris, like, um, you know, the strange the most recent strange pairing that I saw recently among uh, celebrities uh, was uh, Jonathan Majors and Megan Good. Um, But 
but how's this, that working out? How's that uh, going this week? <laughs> interesting. But wow. um, but this one really takes the cake. I would. I'm actually not surprised though a little bit. But you're not surprised. I I don't remember Bill Murray ever dating any kind of entertainer. I, I've. I mean, full disclosure. I know women who've dated Bill Murray, and I don't know if they would call it dating. This is. And I love Khalees. I'm proud to say we we played milkshake at my wedding. I just I I I I would not have have guessed this. I mean, um, I mean, at this point, I, when I say I'm not surprised, I mean like I don't think anything could shock me among celebrities anymore because it's just very very odd. But yeah. And again, they haven't confirmed this yet, right? Like I no, they I've have heard not, about it. They have not. Neither of them have confirmed it. it. Yeah. All right. I mean, Bill Murray's had a pretty rough year. He's gotten in trouble for a few things. He's gotten fired from some projects and some projects were canceled. So if he wound up finding love or passion with Khalees, then I'm I'm all she's 43 and he's 72. Yeah, I I heard she was um, recently became a a widow or. um, Yeah. yeah. So, hey, if they found love, you're all great, great to them. I just how many how many Ghostbusters milkshake jokes can I deal with? I mean, she was married to she was married to Nas. Just want to point she that out. Like she, she was married to Nas, and now she's dating Bill Murray. I just I yeah yeah. Ooh, okay. Uh, well, Thea, thank you so much. That's my favorite story of the whole day, and that's saying yeah, quite a mine bit. Too. I don't know what to make of it, but uh, I will be praying that it's true. <laughs> thank you so much, Miss Harper. Thank you, John. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is progress. And welcome back. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT is our number. Let's go to the phones, shall we? Uh, Alan is calling in Pennsylvania. Alan, welcome. Good evening. Hello. I actually uh, saw you. I'm actually a first-time caller. I saw you uh, a few years ago uh, with Stephanie in Philly when she had the mishap. You were there for the Uh, mishap show. Wow. Much respect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and and I watched you. Uh, you were I. I saw how concerned you were, obviously, but you were so well, professional yeah, on how you continue oh. the show. For those who don't know, we 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 was it was the eve of the Demo- Democratic convention in Philly. Like it was just about to start the, the next day in 2016. We were getting these stories about Russia hacking the DNC and the RNC, and and it was a crazy time. And we went out, and the crowd was great. Walnut Street Theater, beautiful venue, and they had an orchestra pit, and they didn't really have any glow tape delineating where the edge of the stage was, and Stephanie fell in during her opening set, and I just, I ran I ran on stage, I dove into the pit and found her and got her out. We literally had Gloria Allred with her backstage. Gloria was just hanging out with us, and it's like, holy crap, she's going to ride in the ambulance. I went on stage and did like an hour-long set looking into the wings to see what was going on. I didn't even know that Stephanie was taken to the hospital. I was just on stage like waiting to introduce her. And then Frangela came out and did a set. And then we tried to do a a panel and uh, offered refunds to anybody who wanted. Most people kept it. It was... It's the only Stephanie Miller show that I think I did about 55 minutes of a stand-up set on stage during. But what a night that was. I'm glad she was okay. Yeah, we... uh, we, uh, No, at first, uh, we didn't understand what was going on we thought it was part of the show yeah. and uh, then we realized uh, the significance well why i'm calling is uh please i wanted to uh, alert you and the listeners uh to what's going on on i was monitoring uh newsmax and fox news tonight and uh 
after the indictment, the incendiary rhetoric coming from those people, and it was the usual, uh, it was the usual people, you know, Gorka, Levine, let's see, Tommy Laren, uh, yeah. McElhaney, uh, Dershowitz, Kerrig, but the incendiary rhetoric that was coming out of their mouths, and it was basically, uh, they were working under the, uh, under the premise that, um, that Biden is co-opting the uh, Department of Justice to get rid of Trump, they won't right. have to run against him. But, but to me, to me, it was exhorting like a call to arms, like, uh, like you know, almost fomenting a, like a riot mentality. And it, it, it really, I've calmed down now. It was like two hours ago uh, wow. when I saw this, but uh, it, it really, it really was very frightening to me. It's horrifying. I mean, what, what, what is it that you're afraid of exactly? No, what I'm afraid of is what I think they're trying to do is 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 uh, a call to arms. Remember, a stand by, stand back. The whole I do, I know crowd. I think I think they want to have a lot of disruption. You know, coming up, uh, you know, for the trials. Uh, you know, there'll be other indictments. That's what and scares me, because these people are cowards, right? Like, they're not going to go out there and get their hands dirty. They're like Ron DeSantis. You know, Ron DeSantis has realized the ultimate in GOP cowardice. He's not going to ban books. He's going to let parents ban the books. He's not going to fire you for saying gay. He's going to let parents sue your school for talking about being gay or talking about racism. And, and that's what the Republican Party is doing here. They're they're hoping that they can farm out the violence to other people and that they'll be able to get, you know, I don't know what enough folks to show up to intimidate. I do think that some Republicans are appalled by this and some Republicans are appalled by January 6th. But if they're not calling it out. They're not appalled. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't worry about a civil war. I worry about stochastic terrorism. Okay, and uh, I remember the crowd that they're uh, that they're playing to. You know, they're not a intellectually sophisticated crowd that would want to understand the issues. Uh, they're they're going to go. Uh, they're going to take it at face value. What they're, uh, but but that's why I just wanted to alert you and the listeners that. That, that the rhetoric, the inflammatory rhetoric tonight coming from Newsmax and Fox News was, was absolutely yeah. frightening. Yeah, and you know what? But here's what I'll say to that. Let's wait and see the evidence. You know as well as I do that this Justice, Justice Department would not have brought charges against Donald Trump if they thought there was a chance it would blow up in their face and make them look bad. Merrick Garland has right. been so cautious. I have had to deal with people furious at Merrick Garland every night because he's so cautious. I, 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 I want to wait and see. I, I know how they're going to respond initially, but I'm telling you, man, there's just so much corruption at Donald Trump. At some point, at some point, these dude bros like Rob and Orlando are going to get tired of defending this guy. And, and you know, the night, and the good thing about uh, President Biden. He, he stepped back. He had nothing to do with this. Uh, you know, they're complaining that the uh, Justice Department is uh, is corrupted by Biden. But but look yeah. look at Barr and Trump. Did you ever see oh, anything course. like that or envision anything like that in no. our lifetime? No. And, and Bill Barr is running away from it so hard now. Bill Barr is running away from Donald Trump as hard as Chris Christie is. Listen. Stop and smell the train wreck. You allow yourself to be excited about this tonight and inspired that they're actually going to do it and hold this man accountable. Because I think... You know, maybe that maybe I don't think they're ever going to go after Bush and Cheney for that Iraq war. But I want future presidents to be terrified of doing illegal shit. And this is the beginning of that. Right. Well, listen, I I'm a first time caller. Uh, I'm honored the conversation. I'd like to Thank you. call again.
I hope you will. I, I really appreciate you for elevating the show, because as soon as you're gone, I'm dragging it back down to my level. You know how it is. So thank you so much, Take Alan. Care. Have a great evening. Peace. 866-997-GRIT. Mitch in Kent State. How are you, sir? Thank you, John. Before I get to important stuff like Boz Keggs and uh, Bob yes. Dylan, uh, John, the, the thing is, this whole, this whole thing might be moot in the, in the, in the end anyway, if, if they can't get some entire, you know, I understand they wouldn't have their T's crossed and I's died before they settled on everything. But if it runs too late and if it uh, stretches out to, you know, this year, you know, this time next year, you know, it's, it's just going to be almost impossible to have this. Uh, all wrapped up before election day or, you know, even, you know, it's just, I'm just afraid it's just going to be too little too late. Uh, The only thing I can think of maybe is if they found out somehow that he actually did damage to the country. If he has something, if Jack Smith has some sort of knowledge or uh, insight or uh, connections that there's actual damage done, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it, the people involved or countries involved, wherever it was that uh, actually, you know, caused harm to the country, then it, it could, uh, you know, it make it speed along a little quicker then. I mean, it, uh, it, 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 it could. But again, the, the thing that is trickiest about this for me as someone who knows nothing is if this is espionage, we may never know a lot of the specific charges. And that's going to make it a lot tougher in the court of public opinion. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm just afraid it's just a rerun of the, the, the other uh, indictments. But uh, this one, uh, you know, this is it's this only is the second. Margate. It's only the second. It's, it's much Margate. worse than Watergate. It's much worse than Watergate, and it's yeah. the first. It's, I mean, it's an incredible historic first, Mitch. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Boss Skaggs, born right down the road here in Canton, Ohio. Um, he uh, came back here in 2019. Uh, did a show here at the theater there in Canton. Uh, right on. Great show. And when, whenever thinks of Bob, they think of Lowdown. I, I appreciate the Lowdown bump at Chris plays. Yeah. His blues standards are just phenomenal. If anybody has 12 minutes and 30 seconds, listen to Lonely a Dime off his, great well, his first solo albums. With He's the 79 today, right? Se- 79, Mitch? 79 years old. And his okay. voice is ju- still holding up. I mean, uh, just just what a talent. Uh, just, of course, he was with Steve Miller for a couple of years. He played with the Steve Miller band. Uh, wow, there we go. Happy birthday, Boss Gags. Yeah, look. and then uh, two uh, Bob Dylan anniversaries, uh, John. Uh, Empire Burlesque released today. Was <laughs> really? Empire I'm like Burlesque. the one person. I'm the one person who likes that record. I was a kid, yeah. went to the public library and took it out on cassette, and it's the most <laughs> '80s sounding synth thing of all time. But it and, and it's every oh. time someone does a bad Bob Dylan impression, they're doing like mid '80s. We are yeah. the world, Bob Dylan, and that's the voice he has that whole album, and I loved yeah. it. When the night comes falling from the sky, it's with the E Street Band playing, it's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy yeah. record. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh, my one of my favorites. I'm sorry, but I'm not. I'll be apologetic. But Self Portrait, his covers mm. in '69. Uh, of course, he does Paul Simon's to the Boxer, which is rare. Yeah. For him to and cover, he sings both. You know, he sings uh, both harmonies of it. But you know what? We've had yeah. this conversation. I like when he released the box set a few. Another Self Portrait, and it's uh, it's much better. It makes that record better. God bless Bob. Uh, John, the other thing was um, Something Stupid was also number one today in 65. uh, Yes, on Nancy Sinatra's birthday. I'm all over it, man. I'm way ahead of you, bro. Way ahead of you. Hey, listen, (laughs) I thank you for the call, Mitch, but we are just about out of time. And if we didn't get to your call tonight, I'm so, so sorry. Please call back tomorrow, and I promise we will get to you and hear your thoughts on the air. Because this Donald Trump indictment is not going away. Welcome to your summer, folks. And remember, science never made me doubt the existence of God. Pat Robertson did. Rest in peace, Pat. May they treat you better than you treated folks while you were here. We will see you tomorrow on Sirius XM Progress.